If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon podcast. I am so excited to have you here today to listen to what we're talking about, but I'm warning you up front that today's conversation is going to be controversial. And at the same time, I want you to know it's incredibly needed. We absolutely have to lay this out there and talk to you about it. My guest today is Pastor Daryl Scott, and the pastor and I have been incredibly disturbed by what some right-wing activists that you know and you may love have been out there saying. And that's why I think it's even more important for you to listen to this podcast and learn what's really going on behind the scenes with people that you think are helping Republicans, with people that you think are helping Donald Trump. It's a hard truth, but it needs to be told. It's time. And I am thrilled to be joined by Dr. Daryl Scott. He is the founder and pastor of New Spirit Revival Center in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, and a senior advisor to Donald Trump's 2024 campaign and someone that I've seen saying things that I think people are afraid to say on social media. And that's why I'm excited to have him. Pastor Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. God bless you. Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I want to say we're talking today mostly about folks that are out there saying some pretty ugly stuff. And and I'm going to start this off with a clip that is Charlie Kirk. And this has so deeply bothered me. And I noticed on social media it was bothering you too. And that's why I wanted to to just have this discussion. So first I'm going to play the clip. It's about him talking about a black pilot. Here it is. I'm sorry, if I see a black pilot, I'm going to be like, boy, I hope he's qualified. Okay, so. (laughs) That's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. And to me, it um, underscores the feelings that Charlie Kirk has about the black community. You know, the word white supremacy is thrown around a lot these days. The Democrats use it as a talking point and the Republicans refute it. And you know, every four years we have this narrator pin the racist on the Republican. And they try to depict the Republican party as the party of racism. The Republicans refute that by saying, well, we're the party of Lincoln, we freed the slaves, and that's all good. I will say this though, there, is, there isn't a white supremacy component to the Republican party, but there's a white superiority component. and. In saying that, there are those whites, such as Charlie Kirk. He's the ringleader, and he's actually trying to resurrect that spirit in the party of uh, the superiority of whites over black. And he insinuates that every black person that you see in a prominent position, that there has to be an air of suspicion about them, like they didn't really earn this position. They they were given this uh, because of affirmative action. They were given this because of DEI. 
And it's absolutely not true. There's a rigid set of standards to be a pilot. They're just not handing out pilots. That's like, so, like so that's There's what I, I think that has to be gone through. There's a whole lot of things that have to, to, to go into play before someone becomes the pilot. And then this snot nosed little punk acts like, you know, he's walking on the plane. Oh, it's a black pilot. I'm afraid. That's stupid. That is what bugs me the most. I think that if you've ever had a job, and, and let's be honest about the situation here. Charlie Kirk is an activist. He started being an activist when he was 18 years old in 2012. They founded Turning Point. He's been an activist since. He's never worked in manufacturing. He's never worked on a line. He's never worked at a business where there are safety requirements. And coming from a manufacturing facility, safety is number one. Number one, it's the first thing we did every day. Every morning, we had a safety meeting. Didn't start the company, didn't start the equipment, didn't start moving without a safety meeting. Because at the end of the day, the safety of your employees and the people who use your products are absolutely the most important because that's what you are as a company. You are someone, you are a company that cares about people. And if you don't care about people, you're not a company anymore. That's just the facts. And so this idea that any company would create a DEI program that could potentially put the lives of people in danger is asinine, but it is a message that is being pushed by these far-right activists time and time again. And you know why? It's because they're making money off of it. It's all about clicks. It's getting people back to my podcast. Say the most radical thing. Because this is a guy who was all about Martin Luther King and everything and selling, selling his own apparel with Martin Luther King, his own tchotchke, turning point tchotchkes with Martin Luther King's name on them and likeness on them. And then he goes and he burns down Martin Luther King on Martin Luther King Day. And I mean, I got to tell you, we're sitting in the office and one of the people coming to my office, she goes, you're not going to believe this. He's going to burn down Martin Luther King. And I was like, that's it. Everybody has to be done with him. You're absolutely right. And first, let's go back to your safety issue. No unqualified pilot, whatever an unqualified pilot is, would want to fly. It's like me, like them saying, Daryl Scott, fly a plane, and I know I can't fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anybody that's flying a plane thinks they're competent enough to fly it. And they've had to go through whatever training and instructions there are in order to qualify. That's number one. Number two, he's not worthy to tie Martin Luther King's shoes. You know, he used that to undermine the entire Civil Rights Act. He said the 1964 Civil Rights Act yes. should not have been passed. So if it was up to Charlie Kirk, We'd still be drinking in separate, it'd be separate but equal facilities. We'd be using separate bathrooms, drinking out separate water fountains. Everything that was a component of the Civil Rights Act, which was also inclusive of women, you know, that would all have been undone. And he sits up there with this, this snot-nosed look, condescending, cocky attitude, and acts as if because of the cadence and the tone of his voice, he knows what he's talking about when he doesn't. Uh, but, oh, again, so- I go back to the fact that he's 30 and he has not actually had to be outside of this small bucket of conservative activists who have fed him every time that he does this. He it, it builds that following, builds that ego. Candace Owens came from Turning Point. They they actually worked together in, until but they they worked together until Candace got big and Charlie couldn't handle it. And so. Candace still defends him, though. I mean, they still have a working relationship. So this is what Candace had to say. I want to play that. I would be terrified if I got onto a plane and I saw a woman flying the plane. And I know that we have the United CEO saying that he just wants to fulfill a quota. He just wants there to be more women and wants there to be more black people. And he's not concerned at first with qualifications. That is something that should alarm all of us, guys, honestly. He did not say he was not concerned with qualifications. Let's be clear about that. And let me tell you something for Candace, who also is young and hasn't had to live in the world uh, other than being a millionaire, because let's face it, these are also two millionaires. I mean, they are millionaires off of just say talking smack. Right. So let me explain what it's like to be in the working world as a woman, because I worked in a steel foundry and it's tough. And I will tell you, I will never forget the day that one of the guys in our company said to me, if I get on a plane and it's a woman flying, and at this point, I am the vice president of sales. If I get on a plane and it's a woman flying, I turn around and leave because I would never trust a woman to fly the plane. 
And I'm sitting here thinking, oh, really? How do you feel about working with me? This same man, when I was eight months pregnant, I was in a meeting up there talking, and he said, I don't think any of us can take you seriously with that stomach. This is the kind of stuff that women have had to deal with. And as far as I'm concerned, Candace Owens saying this is so ignorant because she is allowing men to treat us the exact same way. Candace Owens is ignorant anyway. I'll give you a little bit of backstory on that. But first of all, let me say this. If you look at insurance companies uh, with car insurance, women are better drivers. Women are safer drivers. Women are more meticulous and more detail-oriented. A woman pilot is probably better than a man pilot. You know, I used to joke a lot in business. I would say, I hate doing business with women. And somebody would say, why? We close the deals. I said, because they're so detail-oriented, they don't miss anything. It was a joke. <laughs> I was saying, I said, man, when I sit down with a man and I'm trying to close the deal, he'll let this slide on, on item five, line three. He'll miss that. I said, women don't play that. Very, very meticulous. They're very detail-oriented. And, and, and once again, you know, I'll be honest, my wife is a better driver than I. She's never had a ticket in her life. Things like that. Now, let's go back to Candace. First of all, Candace wanted to echo Charlie's black sentiments, but she really couldn't do that. So she had to find a line to go. And so she played in on the woman card. Candace has been a fraud from day one. And I, I warned them years ago and they didn't want to listen. And I called a lot of people back and said, I told you so. The whole Blexit premise was flawed because Blexit, because she never had a voter registration component to it. She never had to tell people what it is, because I don't even think that many people know about it. It was a big thing that never happened. Yeah, it was it was never measurable. Um, I'm going to leave the blacks from the Democratic Party to the Republican Party. And I will always say to her, I'll say, Candace, I'll tell you what, how many black registered voters from 2016 heard the message of Brexit and became registered Republican voters in 2020? I said, produce me 15 of them. Because she couldn't. She would have her blegs at meetings. If there were 100 people there, 95 of them were white. The other five people that were there were five black people that were with her. She was a fraud from the very beginning, but she did all of the negative racial stereotypes to feed into people's fears and to validate or affirm people's stereotypes, and they went for it. But it was always some nonsense. When she um, quit TPUSA, I was in D.C. at the time. Charlie, she wouldn't talk to Charlie Kirk. She wouldn't even take his phone calls, but she would talk to me. Charlie had to call me to get me to call her to talk to him. But one thing she said to me, and I, I've said it out loud plenty of times to ever refute it. She looked at me and said, TPUSA is the real plantation. So that shows what her real thoughts were. You're talking about a DEI hire. That was her. We need a black face to get up to be a black puppet, ventriloquist dummy, to echo Charlie Kirk's anti-black feelings, and Candace came in and did it perfectly. But now that he doesn't have her to do it anymore, he's out there feeling emboldened enough to do it himself. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon Podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? 
Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I have another clip that this one to me is the hardest one to listen to because I think it goes beyond the pilot. You're talking when you when you see a pilot like for me, I'm like, okay, this is a highly educated, highly skilled person who has worked really hard and also doesn't take crap from people. You know, is not these people are generally like, screw you. You want to say something bad about me? I, I, I know what I'm doing. But now he goes after the average working person who life is hard and no matter who you are life is hard and the idea that he puts this message out there that it is okay to feel this way i mean the the pilot i i also don't agree with i think that's crazy i'm just saying that those people probably give charlie kirk the middle finger and walk on this is creating an attitude that allows people across the country to think that this is okay it's something that martin luther king fought so hard against so many people have fought so hard against and i think that we we felt like this was a, a feeling of the past, and he gives this life. I think it's disgusting. I think it's absolutely the most racist thing that I have heard somebody say in a very long time. And I am calling him out because as someone who has run for office, something that we are up against constantly, like you said, this this false narrative of you're a racist, you're horrible. Mm-hmm. We're up against this constantly as yeah. Republicans. Someone who's put their life on the on the sidelines for 18 months and gone out there and said, I will do whatever it takes for Americans. I don't care who you are. I don't care your color. I don't care your gender. I want to fight for Americans. He says this and I am mad about it. So here it is. Just customer service. At times you can't. Here's what's here's what's upsetting to me, Heather, is if I'm dealing with somebody in customer service who's a moronic black woman. I don't I wonder, is she there because of her her excellence or is she there because affirmative action almost creates thought patterns that are not necessarily wholesome. It creates resentment, doesn't it, Heather? This is not a way to design society. Oh, it's not my fault. It's this person's fault that I have these immoral thoughts that I I have these thoughts that are so he knows that's wrong. That's the crazy thing. He's admitting that what he's thinking is horrific but he's allowing people to think that there's such thing as a he called the person a moronic black woman what in the world well think about first of all the term moronic is a subjective term that's something that's an opinion you might have if somebody is not treating you the way you want to be treated you know there's no really you can't definitively say somebody is a moron that's a matter of opinion number one number two if he's talking about that, this moronic black woman, apparently he's at a customer service desk. He's not on the telephone. He's at a customer service desk. He's not getting his way. And he's like, she's a moron. And she's probably a moron because she's black. Charlie Kirk is a fool. He's a punk. And, you know, somebody asked me one time, why don't you call Charlie and talk to him? And you know what my reply was? Because I'm going to wind up threatening to beat his ass. And I don't want to do that. <laughs> Because but what, but, but the rest of us are seeing this as a real hindrance for the 2024 election, because we talk about this as as though, you know, this is one person. But this is a massive organization. I mean, he's talking about one hundred and eight million dollars that he's putting into Arizona, Georgia and Wisconsin. And he's putting out all of these supposed activists that he's created are going to be deployed in these areas. And he is he is billing himself as 
Donald Trump's right-hand man when it comes to young people. And this, to me, is catastrophic for us. It is catastrophic for us because if people are seeing this, which really has been the way it's been for a very long time. I mean, I was at a Turning Point event, I would say probably three or four years ago, and they had the stage flanked with these bar- life-size Barbie boxes, which I think is ironic now because, you know, now he's all trashing Barbie. Had told the women, the girls, it was a summit for teenage gir- and, and tw- young 20s girls, told them all to wear pink and come in and take pictures in these Barbie boxes. The message over and over again at this conference from person after person who was on the stage was if you are a young woman, which it was the women's summit, there were a few young guys there, marry young, find a conservative Christian, make sure you marry him young, have kids, homeschool, and do not have a career. That is not my story. That is not the story of young women today who are out there voting. This is, to me, the best way to drive people away from the Republican Party, and people think that's who Donald Trump is. Yeah, Charlie basically is telling them be barefoot pregnant in the kitchen at the total disposal of your husband that can come and go as he pleases and do whatever he wants to do. And, you know, I've heard some stories about some hijinks that go on at these TPUSA meetings, and it's all part of a scam. You know, Charlie, for all his bluster and all this, what has he done? How many times? We can't win. We can't win a, a, a dog catcher's position in Arizona. You know, and, and what, what he does, he has it out. He'll do all this outreach in Arizona as soon as it's not effective. Oh, they cheated. Whatever he does, you know, uh, my, my answer is, you know, if I win, I won. If I lose, they cheated. And, and, and uh, 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 he's the moron. Charlie Kirk is a moron, and he's a racist, and he's um, he also doesn't understand how difficult that makes it for black conservatives. And that's one of the reasons why I have to stand up, because I'm saying my silence is going to be seen as either complicity or, excuse me for saying this, or coonery. <laughs> and I'm neither one. And the thing that aggravates me is the number of black conservatives that are afraid to open their mouth. You know, they'll cheer me in private or they'll say something in private and they'll be so outspoken on some other things, but they're they're acting as if they don't see this. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's disappointing, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't influence the way I feel about it and whether I'm going to be outspoken about it or not. A certain black conservative that I saw when Carrie Lake had her issue just recently, I saw a guy that fired up his video. And he went on social media. Oh, Carrie, they did this, they did that, they did this, they did that. Oh, Carrie, Carrie, Carrie. And I, I typed under his um, video one phrase. I said, now do Charlie Kirk. Because you jumped out there so outspoken to defend Carrie Lake, but you're quiet when Charlie Kirk trashes everything black. And that's what disheartens me about the black conservatives in the party. It's hard enough to be a black conservative, and we have to live in a black community, work in a black community, uh, uh, our family, our friends, our neighbors, our parishioners, whatever, that are that are not Republicans, that constantly say, how can you be part of this party because they're racist? And we have to defend that. Now Charlie gives them something to point to. Well, and, say, and all of the people who are saying... We told you, and everybody thinks like that. They're all like that. He's just saying it out loud. And we have to try to dispel that racist narrative. It's hard enough as it is. Charlie's making it even worse. And with 800 or 108 million dollars, that's a lot of money to continue doing this. And I think that that's something that has to be explored, too, because what you're saying as a black person, I feel the same way as a woman when I, I would. That was the last turning point summit I went to. And I went for a work. I was working there for Real America's Voice. I was working there. And that was the moment when I said, I'll never return because I have four daughters. And and this is not my story. I got married out of college, but I didn't have kids for eight years. And I didn't. St- I don't stay home and homeschool my kids. I continued working. And then I ran for governor while my kids were in school. This is this idea that women have one value. And it is, the value is to be a stay-at-home mom is not... I can't defend that. And I'm that's not who I am. And and there's also a, a problem that I have with this in that women are lucky that they find a man. You know, wh- when is he he's he is a man. When is he going to talk to young men about what it is to respect their wives and encourage their wives and be a part of a family? I, I'm not hearing that from him. I'm hearing that you're not good enough if you're a woman. And I am disgusted by this. But 
But you asked a very important question. What is he doing to win? And you made a really good point that he can always come out and say they stole it from us. And the problem with this as a candidate who didn't win and a candidate who was promised that people would come in in the youth groups and that Turning Point was going to have a big presence in Michigan. And we were overwhelmingly beaten by Democrats, by young people. It makes people crazy because all of the followers go, you didn't fight. Like, you know what? We lost by 10 points. There was no fighting this. There's no, it doesn't help us to go back and say, you know, we, we want to try to overturn this election. You have to win at the ballot box. And that means you have to put in the work. And guess what? There was not a ground game in Michigan. And, and I, I think people that. don't like that I come out and say it. I come out and say, there was no one here. I've met with the kids at college campuses that are the, the turning point group at the college campuses. They have their own little satellite at each of these campuses. And I've said to them, what do you get? Well, we went to the conference. I said, but, but how, but what do you get? How, what's the training? How do you know how to get votes? How do you know how to chase absentee ballots? What do you have an app? Are you told what doors to go to? No. Um, I mean, we could call somebody and ask for help. I'm like, no, no, no. If you are supposed to be trained by this organization they better be doing something if they've got all this money i mean they had what 70 something million in 2022 we lost they've got 108 million now i'm telling you we have consistently since 2008 republicans democrats have well out out voted in the youth group Republicans and Charlie Kirk has been around since 2012. That number has not increased for Republicans. We are not seeing a a big number of young people. That is why people are giving him all of these millions. I mean, we're talking about millions upon millions of dollars and we are not seeing the results right now. He's out in what Las Vegas running a, a, uh, uh, some sort of an event pre-RNC. I guess this the Monday and Tuesday of this week was pre-RNC, and he called it an RNC event and, and renamed it something else, like to something else clever, like to to just troll the RNC. And yeah. look, I I get it. Like, I understand why people are upset with the RNC. But unless you actually have done something that shows that you've done something more than someone else, what are you doing creating this chaos, handing over it to the Democrats, this idea that we are so messed up that we can have one of our groups embarrass the other group in the same town at the same time when they're trying to get organized? To me, it is chaos and it is devastating. Yeah. You'll never see the Democratic Party acting like that. Now, let's let's revisit something, though. The kids that you're talking about that go to the conferences, it's to, to be quite honest, it's all an illusion. It's a mm-hmm. mirage. Those kids, they will pay those kids airfare. They will pay their ki- those kids hotel. They will pay their kids those kids lodging. To those kids, it's a trip. Charlie will tell the donors, I can fill the room if you donate. They'll donate. Let's take some hypothetical numbers. Say they're giving $5 million. He'll spend a million dollars to get the kids in the room. Then once the kids are in the room and the donors see it, see, look how successful and big our organization is. Give me five more million dollars. So, you know, those kids aren't there on their own dime. They're not there because they basically believe in all of the principles of it. It's an illusion. They're there because somebody gave them a paid vacation, a paid three-day trip to this location, and we get to fly there. That's the same way with the White House. When they came up to the White House and brought all those black kids with Kansas, they paid for every single one of them to be there. Those kids weren't registered Republicans or anything like that, I get a free trip to the White House. I get to take selfies. I get to take pictures. Ooh, look, look where I am. I'm in a hotel for three days. I don't have to pay anything. And that fuels that fuels his um his donor base. I mean, not his donor base, his do- donor appeal. Like, mm-hmm. this is the work we're doing. Give me more money. When really you haven't done anything. You you, but, you just put up a right. mirage, put up a, and it, it and it manifests at the polls. You say, well, wow, you got all this. Why aren't they voting? Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pastor Scott, think about this. You pay for all of these kids to come yeah. and they they're they're just there for a show. I mean, it's like yeah. it's like for the um politically in tuned young people. This is like going to a concert because they see all of these political celebrities, which is also a whole nother issue that we have yeah. on our side. And they come there and they hear these people ranting and raving about this. They they screwed us here and they did this to us and they're doing that to us. But they hear no policy. They're not being yeah. told how to talk to people at doors. There's not trainings. That's a lie. When you are told, oh, we're training these kids. There's no breakout groups. There's no discussions of here's how you knock doors. Here's how you are persuasive. These are the conversations you should have. These are the talking points for your state. There is none of that. And that to me is criminal that all of this money is being funneled out of Republican politics because we don't have as much as the Dems. It's being sucked out of the political world and it's being put into this under the illusion that we're getting children or young people 18 to 30, 18 to 29 year olds to go out and vote when it's actually not happening but somehow the people behind the scenes are making so much money and you know they do an expose and and you've got all the spokespeople saying the reason that charlie has three properties that are all worth over a million dollars including the latest one that is four and a half million dollars in and of itself is because he does speaking events, because Turning Point has made him into such a celebrity that he makes that much money at speaking events. I First of all, I can't imagine that there's enough for anybody to make enough money that you can have. I mean, we're talking about what, five, six, seven, over seven million dollars in personal property. And that's just homes, not cars or anything. Just over seven million dollars. Could you possibly have that many speaking events when you know you have a, a nonprofit organization that is bringing in a hundred million dollars or more annually? That to me seems incredibly fishy. He's become a famous person and the more radical crazy things he says the more famous he becomes and, the, and to be honest this is how bad things happen is when one person thinks they have so much power that's where 
this young guy who doesn't have life experience, business experience, experience out there with the working people starts to say things that get so bizarre. And he has a whole group of young people. But the problem is, it's not just him. He's making our party look like this is okay. And the donors who feed this make our make it look like we have a massive amount of support for racism, sexism, misogyny. Like that's Mm -hmm. okay. That's not okay. And it validates every um, negative opinion of the RNC that the Democrats have. And believe me, Charlie's words will service during the election. People are going to have to give him an account for it. You know, I get out there, I compared him <laughs> to Charles Manson. And I'll tell you why. Charles Manson's whole premise behind what he did was to ignite a race war and blame it on the black people. And I said, Charlie Manson wanted to ignite a race war, blame it on the black people. And Charlie Kirk wants to do the same thing. And watch this. Charlie Manson and Charlie Kirk both preyed on impressionable college-age kids. Manson's cult was made up of kids. Because, you know, in those, in, those, in those years right after high school, but before you enter all the way into full adulthood, those are some critical years in a person's life. Those years can make or break the rest of your life. What you do in that crucial time period between high school and full adulthood is crucial. And Charlie is trying to grab them right then and there and form these opinions in their mind of white oppression, white victimhood, black man bad, white man better. All of these things, they're a threat to us. Oh, they're not qualified. They're this, they're that, they're the other. He's really trying to do that. He's really trying to infect this party with that ideology to turn this party into what this party's detractors say it is. That's one of the pushes. Get Rana out, get the old guard out, let me in and and let me and others in to be the face and the voice of this party. We're going to get the blacks out. We're going to get this out. We're going to purify it. I I even said he's trying to raise up a new generation of Hitler youth. I, I mean, and I know I was kind of extreme in my statements, but, but it's, I, I'm drawing a comparison there because this guy thinks he's slick. He thinks he's the smartest guy in the room and he's not. I think it has to be said that he has this massive platform instead of using it to advance other young people who are politically astute or aware of the issues. Whenever anybody gets close to him, he pushes them away. I mean, that's what happened with Candace. So, so why are these people who are giving him money not saying, well, why aren't you growing a bigger coalition of people? Like, why aren't we having an impact? And the thing that I think people haven't recognized is that the reason a Taylor Swift is so compelling to the other side is that she's not a politician. She's not a pundit. She isn't out there speaking about this. She's self-made. She is an artist. She's someone that people look up to because of her art. And she's coming out and saying, this is who I support for president. That, to me, we need to take that seriously. That's incredibly dangerous to us because you can rip on her all you want. My kids love her. She has an impact because she's not political. These are all political people who have taken this too far that, you know, there's only so much you can talk about every single day. So at a certain point, when you're obsessed with that following count, when you're obsessed with the retweets, when you're obsessed with the likes, you have to go more and more radical. We've seen it happen to multiple people. But look, but check this out. When you look at Turning Point as an organization, I mean, this has also become a money game for these yeah. people. We talked about all these all of these homes, but Charlie Kirk also had his wedding reception sponsored by Turning Point. So he had this luxury wedding reception at a resort in Scottsdale, Arizona, and he they build it as a fundraiser for the organization. I mean, at what point are donors going to go, gosh, you know what? Gross. I, I don't want that. I want my money going toward actual voters. And so I say this because he came out with this whole plan, GOP voters across 10 battleground states, and Michigan just happens to be one of them. And he says he's identified 4.5 million disengaged voters, which are low propensity voters, which, you know, you have the high propensity voters, the people we expect to come out every time. And then there's these voters that we have to really go after and try to get them to go out. Now, he's not going to target the high propensity. I, first of all, will tell you that's a mistake as well. Right now, we we can't afford that. 
but he's going after the low propensity. He says in Michigan there's 490,000. I've done the research. I have gone out there and found out how many people registered we have, where they are, what we have to do. We have 2.3 million. He's going after 490,000. When are people going to say, where are you getting this? I mean, this this RNC, he, uh, this is what he called it, the Restoring National Confidence, right in front of the RNC meeting. We have got to stop fighting each other. We have to get the numbers right. We have to have a real plan. The money has to be in a place where we actually have an, an effect. We're actually going to do something with it. And until we do that, we are leaving candidates. We are having people destroy their lives. I mean, I look at what I did. Gave up a salary for 18 months. Gave a, I sold my car. Did everything I could to run for office because I come from a place where I know what it's like for working people in Michigan. And people like this, they're the reason we're not winning. Yeah. And he has to understand, in a, let's say a state like Michigan, Charlie Kirk does not want to own up to the fact that minority votes determine and de- help determine and decide elections. And so he'll alienate entire voter blocks that were winnable. That were let me tell you something. Yes. The black community in Detroit. I used to I used to be in Detroit every week. I have a lot of friends up there. The black community in Detroit is gravitating more and more towards Trump. Here's the here's the here's the uh uh conundrum they find themselves in though. I like Trump, I hate the rest of the party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because of people like Charlie Kirk. I like Trump, but I don't like the rest of the party. And so now the thing is they're thinking about, I might vote for Trump and not vote down ballot, which will help by osmosis because to vote for Trump, they're gonna need a Republican ballot and they'll vote for him, but they'll leave the down ballot alone, which will be less votes that Democrats get, but it's still counterproductive to the uh, goal that we could have arrived at. But because of people like him, he's Mm -hmm. alienating minorities, now, Candace is stupid behind, is alienating women. Charlie's alienating, they're alienating everyone. They think, let me tell you something, you're not going to win elections on a consistent basis if the only demographic you're going after is white men. Right, and <coughs> if you have someone like Candace Owens, but it's not just Candace, there's many of these right. influence out there that are saying women should not be in public office. And that's a consistent, I've seen Republican women influencers I don't even know if they're Republicans, but they they claim to be and they're they're influencers. And the fact of the matter is, when you have this kind of money, when you have these organizations behind you, you have a massive reach. And so when someone like a Candace Owens comes out and says women should not run for public office, what does that do to all of us who want to serve? I mean, because I didn't run for public office because I'm some radical. But the fact that I identify with Donald Trump and people go, oh, wait a minute, she's now MAGA and MAGA is Charlie. Kirk. I mean, that's the problem right. here. You're absolutely right. That is what's happening to people like us. I mean, here's a tweet from Candace Owens. She says, women that don't start families. I just can't. I can't even read this. Women that don't start families transform into angry, bitter, maladapted, shrieking sociopaths with their therapists on speed dial. If you ever needed proof that women are emotionally unsuited to certain positions, look no further than the fact that Hillary Clinton, who still wants to be president, has added to has added her voice to a growing chorus of adult women who are staging public tantrums because their Barbie movie isn't considered the bestest movie ever. I mean, these are the messages that we are hearing from that side. And this to me is devastating to women like the idea that you tell women that they have you know what i love being a mom i will tell you i love it i think it's great i think it's been it's the best job i've ever had in my life watching my kids grow is fantastic but not everybody should be a mom the idea that you tell people their value isn't that what is wrong with you well especially in this day and age because of the advances that women have made. Like when I was a kid and I was growing up, it was a whole different era for women. My mother couldn't even drive a car. Every The woman's life was totally dependent upon the support and sustenance of the man. So yes, you had to get a husband, you had to have a family, you had to do his bidding, you had to take abuse, for lack of a better word, uh, because you were 
unskilled and unable and un, uh, uh, unequipped to navigate your way through life. It's not like that anymore. You have women that have incredible business instincts that are very successful, that are very skilled, that can basically do any and everything that a man can do, except maybe lift as many weights. That's it. And so, um, you know, for her to say something like that is very, very idiotic. And I don't know why she's forming that. I don't even think those are her thoughts. She, that's she, what I see. Parent. That's the she, problem. I think that parent. these are not really their thoughts. I think that this right. is the desire for fame and that that becomes so I mean, I think it was uh, Megan McCain wrote an article about how she had become so obsessed with fame and had taken over her entire life. And she's a good example because she's in the political world. You know, her father obviously was a politician her whole life. And that is someone who is being very open about the fact that this almost destroyed her. What is it like for these people when they've they haven't said that? And then suddenly they start spewing this rhetoric that is so hateful. And I mean, Let's just be honest. If you listen to what Charlie Kirk has said, he is serving up a dish of racism and then he's he is putting the whipped cream on top and saying, but I didn't have a choice. No, no. Unacceptable. You are not going to try to sugarcoat what you are trying to feed young people and this movement of racism because it is racism and it is sexism. And the things that they have said on social media in the past few weeks have turned my stomach. I've seen it happening for years, but this has gone too far. And I appreciate the fact that you were willing to come on today because I needed someone else who was brave, who would say, no, this is not Donald Trump. No, absolutely not. And to be quite honest, Donald Trump does not associate with Charlie Kirk like that. Charlie Kirk does not have the access to Donald Trump that he uh, tries to portray. He doesn't have President Trump's ear the way he tries to portray. President Trump is 70 years old. Charlie Kirk is a punk kid. To be quite honest, Trump does not engage with him like that. He never engaged with Candace like that. They would present that illusion that they had this access, but they access they don't have. I'll give, I, let's just put it this way. When Trump was president, they couldn't call up there and say, I want to have a meeting with President Trump and just get one. They didn't have access like that. Charlie didn't have it. Candy didn't. Candace didn't have it. They never had it. And, and so, but they would present the illusion that they did have it. And so, uh, you know, uh, it, it's, it's all part of their, their grift. It's all part of their scam. If a black person said and did, what Charlie Kirk says and does for the Democrats. If, if Al Sharpton had a wedding and had National Action Network sponsor it, if Al Sharpton was saying the things that Charlie Kirk says, our Republican Party would be screaming loud and long. And look, look, let's, let's look at one more hypocritical thing Candace did. Candace came out with some anti-Semitic statements, right? Oh, well, that's right. Then I forgot about sudden, that. She went into the sunken place. She went hiding. Oh, Christ is king. Uh, ben, crisis currency, wanted to hide behind this fake Christianity that she does not subscribe to. She goes underground. She comes back out to stump for Vivek Ramaswamy, right? With a, with, right out of childbirth, with a baby that's weeks old. Let another woman have done that. Let it, she would be the main critic. How can you leave your brand new baby? How can you leave your newborn and go out on the campaign trail? She would have been the main critic. Uh, but, but because it was her, she, oh, I, I believe in the country so much that this is what I did. They're full of crap. That's all it is. They're full of more crap than a Thanksgiving turkey. And they think that people can't see through it, but they can. And to be quite honest, their acts are getting stale. More and more people wow. such as yourself, others are speaking up. And you have to let it, you know, people such as yourself, you let it be known, hey, this is this guy's thinking. But I don't think like that. And the people I'm around, we don't think like that. No, and I, I hope that people out there know that this is not how Donald Trump thinks. And that's no, the, the goal of, like of this today is to make sure people know this is not coming from his house. <laughs> this is no. not his thought. No, it's not. It's not. I talked to President Trump Sunday night. And you know what? He and I talked about everything but politics. And that's the type of relationship I have with him. I didn't want to call him up and talk about anything other than man, how you doing? How you feeling? You all right? How's Melania doing? I, I know her mother passed mm-hmm. and he told me she was taking it, still taking it hard. They were very close. How's Baron taking it? Baron taking it tough because he was close with his grandparents. 
talk about a few more things, how you feel, and support this, that. We didn't talk about politics at all. And I enjoy the fact that he and I have that type of relationship because I know, you know, I try to take into consideration his thoughts that it's still a little bit more to life than politics. You, you understand what I mean? Uh, yeah. Yes. But, you know, these, these guys like Charlie Kirk, he's an incendiary, inflammatory guy. These guys get drunk on likes. They yeah. get drunk on clicks. Everything they do is for clickbait, good or bad. They don't care. As long as I'm trending, as long as my name is out there. But you know what? The more he does that, the more security he needs around him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, and but but the the real devastation of it is the more he does that, the more it hurts people that don't even know him. So I am so grateful to you, Pastor Daryl Scott. Thank you so much for, for being open with you. me. I appreciate you. And thank you all. We appreciate you for listening to the Tudor Dixon podcast. For this episode and others, go to TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there or head over to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And join us next time on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Have a blessed day. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.